the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The biggest pop culture movement since the Beatles, $22.5 billion at the box office, and we found the one guy who doesn't have a clue what we're talking about. With two fellow MCU nerds to help guide his hand along the way, one thing is for certain, we're with him until the end of the line. Welcome to Colin Brain versus the MCU. On your left, hello again everybody and welcome to your favourite MCU podcast. So, for any of you, if you are new to Colin Brain versus the MCU, firstly you're a bit weird for starting with The Incredible Hulk. Uh, we heavily recommend you going back just one episode and listen to our Iron Man episode. But if you're going to be stubborn, then I guess we should explain what makes this a little different from the vast MCU podcasts that are out there. So I'm joined every week by my good friend slash arch nemesis and fellow MCU nut Mr. Robert Trot. Rob, say Hello. Hello. Hi, Rob. Uh, and both, we are both very lucky to know our next co-host. Firstly, he's a good bloke. Secondly, there's no bullshit when it comes to this guy. And lastly, he has absolutely no knowledge on the MCU whatsoever. And so myself and Rob will be joining him on this epic recap. And we, we, we will also be holding his hand throughout this adventure. That man is Colin Brain. Colin, say hello. Hello. How's it going? Colin's what I call a classic WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> classic what? WYSIWYG. What's that? The acronym for what you see is what you get. Wow. Right. No idea. <laughs> we WYSIWYG. both didn't know that. I don't know who's showing their age there, because that sounds like something kids would say, but also WYSIWYG sounds like It also like sounds old like a CITV <laughs> kids show yeah, from the early 90s, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah, I'll, I'll take that as a compliment, I guess. Thanks very much. I, I bet it is a compliment. <laughs> And also, yeah. I'm glad to be holding your hands throughout this, even though virtually, let's say that, you know. Yeah. We are virtually from, holding each other's from hands. From a safe distance. <laughs> <laughs> we are still in this pandemic, but, but if we work out all the timeline, there will be a couple of episodes surely in the future where we will be able to record together. I'm very excited <sighs> for that. Well, we'll be able to mm. hold hands for real. We can literally hold hands. So, before we dive into The Incredible Hulk... I have to admit something to you both. Go on. Oh, is it that you That's... forgot the password to the Zoom meeting? <laughs> <laughs> tried, tried to enter it six times and made us wait half hour to start this recording. <laughs> so, yes, we all scheduled to meet at half past seven oh. in the evening to uh, record this. Um, and uh, that is what me and Rob would call midnight in daddy time. Yeah. Um, and I, we, we do this over Zoom and I went to put in a password and it said uh, wrong password. So I had a bit of an old man moment and just <laughs> typed anything for the next five minutes. And then I got the notification saying it had locked me out of zoom for the next 30 minutes. So I had to message the boys and be like, just bear with me. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I do have something to admit. Uh, so yes, it's only episode two and I'm already making apologies. So at the end of every episode, we are going to give ratings out of five for each film that we watch. So then by the time we get to the end of this recap, if ever, going by Marvel's current release schedule, uh, we should have a ranking of the MCU films. Now, I gave Iron Man three and a half out of five, which got a couple of groans from you both. I think you said I was sitting on the fence. It should be three or four. Yeah. So I will put my hands up and say I got that one wrong. Oh. That is a four star movie and it is nothing like the MCU that we know it to be now something Colin will discover soon. But that does it, doesn't stop it from being a fun, 
two hour romp and shame on you both Fucking for giving romp. it three stars. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Going all in. I would like to say that um, there'll no no longer will there be times where we can come back in and change our scores, all right? Mm-hmm. Especially mm-hmm. if those scores we chose made us look like an absolute dick. Yeah. <laughs> a two-hour romp is also a very good way of putting it. I like that. Mm-hmm. Just the yeah, thought- it was. Well, all right. It, not denying it was, it was a romp. It was definitely a romp. It was a freestyle romp. You know? It was a freestyle romp. <laughs> <laughs> We've had plenty of them before, exactly. I think. <laughs> So far, so good. Skip the compliments. Let's get on with it. So, much like last week, if you guys are feeling generous, Mm. would you please allow me a few minutes, or maybe half an hour, to give Colin and our listeners a brief background to the film before we dive into our general thoughts and then a deep dive? Go on, then. Very kind, as per usual. So... Much like with last week's Iron Man, uh, Marvel Studios was still operating as an independent studio. So they would make the films, but then allow another film studio to distribute the film. So maybe you noticed that before Iron Man, we had the Paramount logo. Before The Incredible Hulk, we had the Universal logo. So much like Iron Man, they paid absolutely nothing to get the rights for the character because Universal, they had previously made a Hulk movie back in 2003 uh, directed by Ang Lee starring Eric Banner. And that was simply called Hulk. Now Universal did plan on creating a sequel, but simply too much time had passed. They lost interest over the years as well. So then the rights just simply reverted back to Marvel again. Now as part of Universal's uh, distribution deal, they said they would distribute the film And they would get it in every cinema screen possible and take care of that side of things. As long as they had the right to create future Hulk sequels. Marvel strangely uh, agreed to that clause. And to this date, that clause is still in place. And that's the reason why we have never had a standalone Hulk movie. Anymore, at least. So why have Marvel never tried to buy him back? Uh, They have, loads of times, but uh, Universal actually still make quite a lot of money from the Hulk already. Uh, Namely, you know, at Universal Studios, the theme park in America. Oh, that ride. I've never been on it, but the Hulk is their most popular ride. Mm. It's it's something else. um, It looks incredible. It's great. It's incredible, yeah. It's a smashing smashing (laughs) ride. (laughs) So simply by selling the rights to that character, it would cause a lot more complications than maybe what it's worth. However, there is a loophole in that contract, as it's never stated that the Hulk could not appear in another Marvel movie. So, they weren't allowed to have him starring in his own movie, so who knows where the Hulk could appear next. Colin, he's somewhat of the wild card of the MCU. Okay. it's Because obviously we never get a big announcement, oh, a new Hulk movie, but obviously they still maybe want to use him in the future. Mm-hmm. So the choice of director... For the Incredible Hulk. Uh, they ended up going... It was an interesting one. Um, so they ended up going with a guy called uh, Louis Leterrier. Uh, he was actually one of the directors in the running to direct Iron Man. Now, before Incredible Hulk, he had directed The Transporter 1 and 2 with Jason oh, Statham. Oh, okay. Mm, I'm the transporter, uh, bitch. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> the impressions have already begun. I love it. <laughs> 
Uh, and since Incredible Hulk, he's gone on to make uh, Clash of the Titans, and Now You See Me, and Grimsby with Sasha Baron Cohen. Um, so really? He did Grimsby? He did Grimsby. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Woof. Yeah, woof. Uh, so then casting began once Louis Leterrier joined uh, the the fold. And it was a relatively easy process. Um, Leterrier initially cast one of my favourite actors, Mark Ruffalo, as Bruce Banner. But Marvel convinced him to cast someone else, and in Marvel's words, more famous. So after various negotiations, uh, Edward Norton was cast in the role. However... When Edward Norton joined the cast, this screenplay for the film was actually unfinished, leading to him offering to help with the screenplay. Sounds good, but then so began one of the most complicated productions Marvel have probably ever made to this date. Edward Norton, he envisioned like a a sort of a complicated character-driven story, whereas Marvel just wanted a commercial action film about a man on the run whilst also trying to tell a love story between Bruce Banner and Betty Ross. So then by the time cameras started rolling, the script was still barely finished, um, with Edward Norton completing rewrites on set, and sometimes making quite major changes to the original script by a guy called uh, Zach Penn. Now at one point during production, Edward Norton was asked, how's filming going? And his response was as follows. A movie is a sum of compromises until you grow into your own independence. I always try to bring the character and the actor forward, and it's very obvious in The Incredible Hulk. The first half of the movie is really mine, but the second half is the studio's expected Hulk movie. It's just two giants kicking each other's ass. Hmm. Mm. So, by the time the film hit the editing bay, a total of 70 minutes was cut from the film. That's 7-0. It was approaching a three-hour-long epic. Uh, Most of the scenes that were cut were from the beginning of the film, and it dealt with a lot of the backstory between Betty Ross and Bruce Banner, all leading up to them him being turned into the Hulk. Some of that footage can actually be seen in the beginning credits montage. That was from some of the stuff they had to cut from the film. (laughs) Audio commentary facts. You didn't listen to the audio commentary. I did. Oh my goodness. Listen to the audio commentary. Who does the audio commentary? Oh, Louis Leterrier. Right. And Timmy Roth. Ah, I was about to say, I bet Edward Norton didn't do it. No, he definitely didn't. So the titles you just mentioned were made by one Kyle Cooper, who also did the title sequence for Seven. Oh. Fun fact. I rewatched that recently. You used that at the pub. So when they (laughs) reopen, people be gagging for such facts. (laughs) They'll be begging for it. Anyway, as you were. Thank you. So, Sorry, can uh, I just just stop you for a sec? I've I've just realised that at the the beginning of both of these, you said... To my left. Is that something I'm missing out on here? Yeah, you're missing out on it, but you don't understand it yet. Okay. All right. And it's on your left. On your left, sorry. Okay. I did notice you look very puzzled. It, it threw me that off last me... week, and then I thought you were going to say, like, on my left, Colin, because of we're, we're looking at each other on Zoom. But then I thought, hold on, maybe he's just messed up. And then the fact you did it this time around, I was like, there's something to that. I need to, at least, I need to speak up and see what's going on here. <laughs> uh, no, um, sorry, sorry. It, carry on, mate. Carry it on. will come to mean something. Um, okay. That's just me being a bit naughty. All right. So the first scene of your film 
of the film was completely different. Um, a, a very rough edit of it is actually on YouTube, and I know you guys have seen it because I sent it to you just yep. a couple of hours ago. Yes. Um, we'll pop that in the episode description for this episode as well, so you can just click on the link and see it for yourselves as well. Now, Leterrier describes this scene like this. He says, The start of the movie, that was something I did, which is Bruce Banner walking to the edge of the world to commit suicide. Then the Hulk saves him. And the studio said, there's no way we are starting this movie with our lead character putting a gun into his mouth. Which I understand, but then it was informing who this character was and who his relationship was with his alter ego. All of that stuff made the film deeper, if you will. So as you can see, there was two types of films that were being made here whilst they were making it. And uh, it, it was very complicated. So then by the time the film was released in June 2008, you know, with every big film release, there's various press junkets, there's interviews all around the world, the premieres, obviously. Edward Norton was nowhere to be seen. Um, the film was far from a bomb at the US box office. Uh, worldwide, it ended up making $245 million, so just short of a quarter of a billion. Um But just once the box office started to slow down a little bit, suddenly Marvel released this statement. Marvel have decided to recast the role of Bruce Banner, citing the need for an actor who embodies the creativity and collaborative spirit of our other talented cast members. Hmm. So when, when or if we see Hulk again, it will not be played by Edward Norton. Which now we bring into our general thoughts of the film. So, Colin, Mm. was the film a Hulk smash or an abomination? (laughs) Well, I must must admit that um, what you've just said makes a lot of sense. Because, Mm -hmm. to me, it was a bit of a mess. And it now makes a lot of sense, you know, because it... I mean, obviously, there's a lot lot to say about it. But, yeah, to sum it up, it felt like a bit of a mess. And it did feel like... it. I can tell that the editing... I mean, I don't really know much about how films are, you know, made behind the scenes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But you, you did get the impression that there was a few different ideas going on and it kind of got mishmashed into what was put out there. And, yeah. A mishmash is very, very apt, I think. Mm. Uh, Rob, how did you find the film? And also, like, how long has it been since you last saw it? Um, quite a while, actually. I I remember seeing it at the cinema, and it was kind of the same year as, as Iron Man, didn't it? And it was one of those that I'd seen Iron Man on my bootleg DVD. <laughs> I was like, okay, I see what they're doing here. Let's get on board to the cinema. Let's go watch the next one. And I love the Hulk. I'm a massive oh. Hulk fan. Um, and yeah, it's from, from the get go, it's, I can see there's a lot of love for the old series, like the old TV series and a lot of, um, you can tell a lot of effort went into it. Mm. It's, I don't think the problems are with the people making it apart from like how complicated it all got the process but i think there's a lot of loving little nods to the original stuff Mm. even just down to like ed norton's eyes going green before he Mm -hmm. changes is very much like the old show betty ross um buying him massive purple shorts yeah that landed a bit flat for me but yeah i get the Mm -hmm. it's they hold it for about like a minute as if the audience are going to be all sort of laughing at her 
Oh. <laughs> yeah. Has anybody done that? Um, but yeah, little things like using the sad walking music from the old TV series as part of the score. Mm-hmm. Yeah, having Lou Ferrigno, the old uh, TV Hulk, having a little cameo and passing the baton, so to speak. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of love there, I think, but it is, as Colin said, a hot mess. Well, it's it's funny you say that because, I mean, obviously you guys, like growing up watching the TV show or having past experience with something, the Hulk, mm. it makes sense that you'd pick up on those things and, you know, you'd like the fact that there's little nods to the original sort of things. And obviously for me, I mean, I'm coming into this, all I knew about the Hulk mm. before this was that, He's a bloke, gets angry, turns green and smashes shit up. Like, that's pretty much what I knew. So all of those little bits probably, well, they definitely flew straight over my head, which made the film even more of a mess, to be honest. That's the thing, yeah. That doesn't make a a film. Like, references do not make a film. So obviously, the film needs to work for people that have no idea of those little things. Yeah, it's difficult to do. You've got to get that fine balance where, you know, you you do a little something that makes the six, six... Sorry, you do a little something that makes the six nerds in the front row go. Well, that's it. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. But then those it, things are it great. It, yeah. it shouldn't complicate the film. Yeah, or it shouldn't just be that. That shouldn't be the only thing you take from a film is that the six nerds at the front are going to go home and you know yeah. rub one out to whatever. But anyway, <laughs> hey, who told you, <laughs> George? What did you What did you think, George? Um, yeah, uh, I think it is a, a bit of a of a mishmash. Actually, uh, to be honest, I found almost towards the end I was a little bored. It was way too long. I looked at my watch a couple of times and I was like, "Ah, oh, come on, let's 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 wrap this up now." Mm. Um, yeah, so let's do a deep dive and let's get into some of our issues into it as well. Firstly, though, can I just did you guys because I don't really know, especially you, Rob. I don't really know much about your history. I know that you're both diehard fans of the MCU mm. and everything, but did you grow up on comics as well? Did you grow up on the comics or did you come into it at a later time of life when you know? TV series or the older movies, and then you kind yeah. of jumped on there. Like, what's your kind of backstory just for, well, everyone else as well, and, and including me? I used to watch the old, especially Hulk, the old sort of Bill Bixby, Lou Ferrigno TV show okay. when I was a kid. And I was sort of brought up on, like, DC films, so Superman was one of the first films I watched as a kid, the old Chris Reeve ones. And I used to read comics. Like, my dad used to... Generally, if it was some, my dad was a bus driver, so if he left, if someone left comics on the bus, he'd bring them home. And that's how I got comics. Nice. And then I started reading X Men when I was about ten, mm. I think. But yeah, the Hulk's always been one of those. I like the old Jekyll and Hyde. I used to watch like, and re- I read like a simplified version of Jekyll and Hyde when I was really little. And that idea is always stuck with me. Like that's a real cool idea, like the inner monster of a guy sure. and all that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, that's where my love of Hulk comes from, I think, from mm. the old Jekyll and Hyde story. Hmm. Yeah, very much like Rob. I started off with the cartoons first, and then I I managed to I started getting into the comics round when I was about nineteen or twenty, actually. Oh, okay. I came to the comics really late, and there's like a whole well of really really well told stories there. And much like Rob, um, one of my first memories is watching the original Superman. And I think kind of, it must bleed into my DNA somewhere as to what made me so interested in films. One of my earliest memories was watching a black and white horror film it was shown in the day. Hmm. So it couldn't have been that scary. And it dealt with, um, Van Helsing, I think. And he was chasing some sort of monster. Hugh Jackman. And 
not 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 the Hugh Jackman one. And uh, I was I was trying to get to, uh, to sleep at night, and I was scared. I thought there was like a monster under the bed. And my dad came in, and he explained what movies were. That what I watched is nothing to be scared of. It's literally a bunch of people going to work that day and creating a film. And he said, think about Superman. He said, that's not Superman flying. Superman is just laying on like a pane of glass. And there's they put all the images behind him. That's how they make Superman fly. And then I got to sleep that night. And then suddenly I was obsessed with films. So, wow, nice. Yeah, that's sort of my background. It's um, In terms of comic books, yeah, it was cartoons first and um, okay. comic books afterwards. Nice. So, yes, this deep dive. So... Bruce Banner is working at a bottling factory in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Now, while he's also searching for a cure for his condition, on the internet, he's anonymously collaborating with a colleague known as only Mr. Blue. He's learning yoga techniques to try and keep control, and is not transformed in five months. Now, after he cuts his finger, a drop of his blood falls into a bottle which is eventually ingested by an elderly consumer in Wisconsin. (laughs) Excelsior! I knew it. You can see the look of joy on my face when you was mentioning it. Yeah. Stan Lee's cameo, everybody. Oh, I picked up on this one. Mm. It's quite in your face, isn't it? Also, I still don't really know what he looks like, so I was just looking for someone that looks like Hugh Hefner, and and (laughs) (laughs) he was the most... Yeah, I gathered it was him. I mean, presumably, after he's drunk that, there is a third rage monster running around somewhere <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that looks like Stan Lee. I think they reference this in one of the games actually, because there's a Lego uh, Avengers game where you can, at the, if you once you completed everything, you unlock Stan Lee, and he can Stan Lee himself actually hulks out. So I like to think that's a little nod nice. to I'm sure the Incredible it is. Hulk. Yeah, should have saved that for my fun fact, shouldn't I? There's a um, there's a great cameo. The guy that's teaching him. Um, I think it's called like Aikido or something. It's a Japanese martial arts. Now, I was watching arts. that going because I know you're a massive MMA, MMA fan. Yeah, yeah. And I was watching it and I was like, I guarantee that yeah. guy's in MMA and Colin will know. His name's Hicks and Gracie and the Gracie family are like the godfathers of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Royston? What's the other one? Um, there's Lowe's, man. Hoist, Gracie. There's like a whole family. And That's um, one of my fun facts, God. <laughs> and um that yeah that that one there hicks and gracie i think he's in the mma hall of fame i don't think he ever fought in the ufc but he definitely did in pride and he's, he's got like, mad abs yeah and he was doing yeah the the breathing techniques the um but yeah i just thought that was cool man because you know brazilian guy and yeah look um, at you colin you're growing into your own you're now teaching us uh, th- there's my bit of trivia i need a point for that don't I? <laughs> but i did see that and i thought that was nice perfect uh now using the bottle to track down banner um Ross sends a special forces team led by Emil Blonsky to capture him. Banner then transforms into the Hulk and defeats Blonsky's team. So let's start right from the beginning then. So Colin, um, are you now we know Edward Norton's not returning, are you going to miss him in the role? Um, well, hard to say because clearly there was a clash of heads in many ways so it's hard to say i'd miss him because unless he was going into an environment where i guess he felt like it could be where he wanted it to go or whatever you never really know if it would be good or a bad thing i'm more than happy to see someone else step in the role as the hulk and just hope that it's not another mess um but yeah i mean one one major issue i kind of had throughout the whole thing and and again this is only coming from me because i i've never i I know very little about the hulk i don't even know the backstory of how he becomes the hulk Mm. and it felt like a sequel like 
the fact that the title sequence at the beginning was like a montage of, I guess, what happened, mm-hmm. but it was it was so frantically cut together that I couldn't even really tell what was going on. Um, and yeah. and then and then and there was certain, there was a few other things. I mean, and and some of them were answered later on in the movie, but they were answered so so just like one line of dialogue that I didn't really even catch what some of the things were, like like the bit where. You see Stan um, Stan Lee drink the drink, and he obviously <laughs> collapses, or whatever happens to him dies, or whatever. You don't, I guess, you don't really know. We but something, know. but something happens, and then that automatically made me think. Well, hold on, why is why is um, Edward Norton's character Bruce? He's Bruce, isn't it? Yeah, Bruce, Bruce Banner. Banner. Yeah. Why is he not like? How come he can survive having this in his in his body? And then there's one thing that when they meet up later on in the film with Mister Blue, um, that mm-hmm. character, there's one line i think he kind of throws a line out there and, and almost explains it but it's just in one little line and it kind of went straight over my head and i couldn't be asked to rewind it because i was already an hour and whatever into it and i don't know it just felt like a it felt like there was a lot missing but that being said i really loved the parts in rio mainly because rio mm. is just fascinating to me i think it's a beautiful man i need to get it was over great the, the favelas yeah. and all that stuff oh man was, like that yeah. part of the world just looks completely insane I, I, I need to find a way to get over there in the next mm. well whenever we can you know i'll give the film that the favela chase sequence is excellent yeah mm. and so timmy yeah, roth maybe- shoots a dog well, yeah, I know. Yeah, that that really like um, confused me a little bit. But obviously, he's, he's a dick. He's, he's tranked the dog, hasn't he? But still. That dog was beautiful as well. Yeah. Uh, so, Rob, maybe you can help Colin out a little bit here because obviously, in the comics, it was sort of like gamma radiation, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Now, it maybe even confused me a little bit. In here, is it is it something to do with the super soldier serum this time? Yeah, they kind of hint. That it's sort of building on super soldier research in this film, but involving Gamma. So, like in the original comics, it was, I think it was like an answer to nuclear testing and and the A bomb and everything because it's, I believe his original origin in the comics. They're testing this Gamma bomb, and someone gets into the test environment, and Bruce goes to, basically to save them. Bruce getting caught in a mushroom cloud was like their sort of like comment on the nuclear sort of era and all that sort of thing that, you know, a a man with an internal monster could be born from such a thing, I guess. Mm. But it's definitely got its roots in sort of things like Frankenstein and Dr. Jekyll and all that stuff. But yeah, it's very different in the, for, for the way, like you said, they tried to make it, link in with where they're heading in yeah. other films here. There's lots of mentions to the super soldier serum, and maybe we'll get into it later, but that's kind of what they give um, Blonsky, isn't it? So, Can we mm. just talk as well about one of my... Uh, the thing that audibly, every time I watch this, makes me laugh, when he's appearing on that helicopter, which again looks like it's provided by the US Army, mm-hmm. um, much like Iron Man, he's he's sort of coming in, and it's Tim Roth, who's you know he's not a young man in this, but that's obviously part of the plot. But they're flying him in, and it's like it's Emil Blonsky, born in Russia, yeah. educated in England. <laughs> so Tim Tim Roth didn't get up with his dialect coach. Yeah, <laughs> Surely, yeah. did one day I'd be like, "Hey, I'm Emil Blonsky." And like, no, that don't work. <laughs> All right, yeah, I'm going to be Emil Blonsky. Put that in the body yeah. of a younger man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. say he's from England. Oh yeah, yeah. no, that did true. make me giggle a little bit. It's just such an awkward lie that you know he's put in there to stop people from going 
Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Rob, what did you? How did you find Edward Norton in this? I. I mean, I'm a massive Ed Norton fan. Me too. Um, I just felt like it was kind of deadpan performance. Like I didn't really. It, there's a lot of him just staring at computer screens, and mm. I don't. I don't think he sort of gave enough. It would have nice to have had that simmering rage underneath the surface the whole time, mm-hmm. because he's a man that's frustrated with not being able to cure himself. But yeah. he was just sort of like one note, like I've got to cure myself, blah, 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 like all the way through. I just would have liked to have seen those a bit more from him. Yeah, you're on the right track with one note there. I think, uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, just occurred to me as well, just before we started pressing, uh, before you press record, that Edward Norton. Maybe it's something that uh, fascinates him, or maybe it's just coincidence. But the notion of um, dual personalities. Spoilers. Uh, much like Fight Club, uh, he has that, and even uh, his first ever film, Primal Fear. Mm. is all about that so i don't know i was maybe... gonna say primal scream i forgot what it was called <laughs> no primal fear <laughs> want to have a good time Want to get <laughs> uh and yeah just to cap off sort of this uh intro sequence much like i said i thought the the chase through the favelas was excellent and i found myself completely on board i thought mm. it was oh, really shot really well and i'll be honest during that sequence, I questioned myself as to why I've given this film a bit of a hard time in the past. Leterrier knows his action. Like, yeah. he's great at shooting action. And, and the score as well in that whole mm-hmm. section is really, really good. And it's it's weird, like, it goes through, we don't really see Brazil enough in Western films. No. But it is, um, yeah, it, it just added a whole, like, different element. Yeah, I was me- I was mesmerized by it, and I, I I I liked the um, I liked the way they introduced the Hulk character as well. Uh, how they, you know, you didn't see him straight away, just screaming into the camera, full faced. Mm-hmm. It yeah. was like you the first thing you really saw of him from a it was more from a power standpoint was just one of those soldiers just completely being blasted out of the corner of a room from a dark shadow mm-hmm. and just That's steaming a great it across. Shot of that one yeah, soldier yeah. flying I really, through. Really, really, I, I love that. They've- there's a nice bit they throw a flashbang as well in that. Yeah. And like all the flashbangs go off, you just see the silhouette of the like the massive yeah. hulk. But a bit like you, George, I was really feeling it. Like the first like ten, fifteen minutes <laughs> or whatever, twenty minutes of it. I was thinking like, Christ, what like this is great, man. Bring on more yeah. of this. And yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, we'll get into more, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so after Ross explains how Banner became the Hulk, uh, Blonsky agrees to be injected with a small amount of a similar serum, which gives him enhanced speed, strength, agility, and healing. It starts slowly to deform his skeleton, but skeleton, but also maybe uh, impair his judgment. Now Banner returns to Culver University and reunites with Betty, where Banner, where Banner is attacked a second time by Ross and Blonsky's forces tipped off by Betty's suspicious boyfriend, Leonard Sampson. This causes Banner again to transform into the Hulk. The ensuing battle outside the university proves futile for Ross's forces, and they retreat. Though Blonsky, whose sanity is maybe faltering, and like I said, his judgment was impaired, attacks and mocks the Hulk. The Hulk then severely injures Blonsky, and and he then flees with Betty. So let's talk a little bit more about Tim Roth. Uh, effective as a villain, uh, how does he compare to like Jeff Bridges as uh, Obadiah last week? 
I, I think it was justified in the story. Like, it, everything had a reason. He was hammy, but also there was, like, the aging soldier thing worked because he had a, he had motivation for wanting to, you know, take the serum and get hooked on that and become, what you know, that strong, powerful soldier or monster, whatever you want to put it. Mm. I think it made sense to me, and I thought he was good. Like, there was a lot of... His performance wasn't bad at all. Mm. It's just an odd choice. I mean, I've always loved Tim Roth since, like, Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he, I just think he, it's one of those, like Ed Norton said, it gets to a certain part of the film and it's like, okay, bye, Tim Roth. You're no longer needed. Let's yeah. go CGI now. Yeah. Which is a shame. Colin? Yeah, I mean, not much more to add, really. I, I agree with Rob, but I, I did like how sort of matter of fact the dialogue was towards the um, was it the the Sergeant Ross? Is it? Mm-hmm. The, mm. I like I liked how he was just sort of very very upfront with him, and because also I really didn't like that guy's character either. So um, oh, General Ross, Ross, General Ross, so like having a, another guy on the screen willing to kind of you know tell this guy to sort of well in a nicer way than this but go fuck himself at any chance mm-hmm. he could I, I quite enjoyed that just mm. from a just from a sort of selfish yeah. point of view because i really didn't like that character of general ross at all but okay. um but yeah I, I liked him i liked tim roth as an actor i think he's he's cool and 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 um yeah i mean <laughs> yeah like you said towards the end of the film he's not really there anymore is he but, yeah, but um not. while he was there i thought he um he played a good Good role. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I think I liked Tim Roth in this. I think he's always great at playing quite slimy characters. Mm-hmm. And uh, it occurred to me whilst watching this, I would have maybe, you know, if there was a longer cut, maybe who, who knows, um, I would like to have seen what Blonsky's like when when, he, when we don't see him in the army. I want to know what his life is like. Um, yeah. I, I want to know, because I've read he's probably just as much of an arsehole outside of the army than he is in it. Yeah, um, yeah I think they could have done something a little bit more there. Because, you know, I always like a villain that we can, you know, they make him more of a two-dimensional character, three-dimensional character. And we get to see different aspects to them. Um, and, you know, maybe try and find ways for us to sympathize with him. Try and, you know, like Rob said, try and work out those motivations as to why he's what he's wanting this super soldier serum. Yeah. You know, he could be in lots of pain due to like years and years of combat or anything like that. Uh, and I also love the the villains. And I don't think we've had one in the MCU yet. The villains where I describe them as, hang on, do they have a point, villains? I sort yeah. of love those villains. Um, and I mean, you know, I think there was room for us to maybe go down that route with Blonsky, but um, obviously we didn't. Uh, before we continue, so uh, Liv Tyler as Betty Ross. Any thoughts? Audio <laughs> commentary. Oh, so Louis Leterrier and uh, Timmy Roughballs were talking for quite a while. Any time an actor come on, it was like, Ed Norton's great. He's acting against nothing here. Like he's at, he's looking at the screen, but he's still conveying a lot. All this sort of stuff. They talk about the craft. So when Louis and Tim got to Liv Tyler, what unfolded was five minutes talking about how stunningly beautiful she was, her look, and generally how she was dressed, her figure, wow. all this sort of thing. It was, mm, yeah, her figure. Not, yeah, the eight, the. Uh, the audio commentary has not aged very well. <laughs> <laughs> 2021, not good. Oh, yeah. dear. But um, 
Yeah, I don't like her. I'll be honest. No, me neither. No, she's <laughs> me neither. <laughs> can I? Can, after saying all that, <laughs> Bruce. Oh man, Bruce. That, Why that's, is she that's, so breathy, dude. That's it. That's, that's my it. note. So that's my note. I've got it here. Um, I've said the character was completely lost. There's nothing in this film in terms of a character arc. Mm. Uh, it seemed that the only thing for her to do in this film was stare at the camera and say Bruce. But there's, yep. there's this one weird bit where she gets angry in a taxi cab. And oh, she's like, man, that whole scene was just awful. I've yeah, got that written really down like, as a note like here. A, like a whiplash from it. <laughs> one minute she's like, Bruce, put you some chances, Bruce. And the next minute she's like yelling obscenities in New York. It's like He's like, you've got an anger problem. Oh, Jesus. Oh, dude, I put down a note next to the, her name just saying... Just sad puppy for one, because ev- like even just the way that I mean, again, this I'm sure this isn't her fault. I'm sure she's a fantastic actor and all this and that. It must, you know, there's more people involved than just her. It can't all, mm-hmm. not all the blame can be put on her. It must yeah. be the director or whatever. But it just felt like they just before every shot just went right. Just imagine being a lonely lost puppy that has no idea what's going on yeah. and look yeah. off into the distance, and then every now and again just start shouting at stuff like it went from that and then like there was a point when she was screaming like you know there's there's the scene when um when when he turns into the hulk again and and you know when when he's in the city rather than real he's he's in the states and she starts like screaming at her dad or something and it's like it was just one or the other it was like a bipolar lost puppy is what i would say (laughs) it was very strange and i couldn't get my head around it like what was the point they had they kind of addressed this on the um audio commentary as well is that there's a lot of they had the casting was done quite well on the ang lee hulk like it wasn't a great film but the casting was pretty bob on like they had sam elliott as um general ross Mm. who is basically a man that has formed out of a moustache. I love Sam Elliott. i love you can't understand a word he's saying any (laughs) but he's great um, and Jennifer Connolly. Yeah, was, Jennifer Connolly. Yeah, and Eric Banner was great as he had that under the surface. Like, I think there was a line in the original Hulk where he said, "The thing is, when I'm deep in it, when I'm when he's got control, there's a moment, there's a a guilty feeling that I actually like it, and I think that's what should drive. Mm. It's part of what makes him so complex is that." I, I mean, let's get into this, I think. How do you guys feel about the heart rate motif? So, like, his heart rate goes above a certain thing. A bit like speed. Yeah. I mean, it works. It's an action movie kind of thing, isn't it? It's to try and build that, like, pace. It could have been more effective if used well. Like you said, it's very much an action motif. It should be something that's Mm. always in the the back of our minds. Um, And I think the times they do use it, kind of they fluffed it up a little bit at one point it's used almost as a joke it's during what, the, the, the trashy pre, sex scene the thing. pre-sex scene yeah. with betty yeah. yeah of when he says i can't get too excited like i said they play it off as a joke for me it didn't work no. anna my fiance who i watched it with she, it got a giggle out of her but, <laughs> yeah. so it, it works on some level yeah mm. i think it just depends on how you want to view the character is he a character that once simply once his heart rate gets to a certain point he turns into a monster or the original whole thing was like when he gets angry and then yeah. that becomes like something about inner monsters and emotions and what you repress and what you don't repress and and that's to me that's far more interesting like how much of the hulk coming out is bruce 
and how much of it. But this is kind of played almost like a sickness. Like, you yeah, get this, this is this is like if he has too heavy of a workout, he's just going to bust out of his workout gear yeah, and start beating the shit that, out of the gym. Um, it doesn't work for me at all. And I find, never I it... ever occurred to me. No, neither me, man. But it's a good, very good point. It's yeah. a great point that obviously is always based on anger because they 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 make a play on the line here. But you know, he's got that famous line: "You wouldn't you wouldn't like me when I'm angry," mm. which they into here turned into "You wouldn't like me when I'm hungry." Yeah, because yeah. trying to learn the language, he's which trying to learn I liked. Portuguese, I thought yeah, that was good yeah, it's, it, it works. Um, but yeah, it makes complete sense. Like like Colin said, this is now a character that can't do too many squats. Whereas yeah. the Hulk, <laughs> whereas the Hulk should be someone that is always on the verge of losing his temper, but cannot mm. get angry, and he's got a lot to be angry about. Yeah, mm. um, yeah, they kind of yeah mess that cocked that it one up. Just, a yeah, bit. it. I and I get why they wanted to go the action way after the. Ang Lee Hulk was very, you know, inwardly thinking and sort of philosophical and all about emotions and things. Mm. And also about mutant dogs and things. But, yeah, that's another film. I don't think people... I've heard it said about the Hulk that it's a difficult character to make a film about because your lead character doesn't want to turn into the character people want to see. So it's, it's almost like how do you strike that balance between showing people what they want but also making it's a yeah it's a difficult tightrope to walk i think it's a tough character for sure so let's start wrapping up this film before we go into a, a lot more uh, so a recovered blonsky joins ross's force forces for a third attempt to take banner into custody they succeed and banner and betty are taken away in a helicopter Blonsky stays behind and orders Mr. Blue, otherwise known as Dr. Samuel Stearns, to inject him with Banner's blood. The experiment mutates Blonsky into the Abomination, a creature with size and strength surpassing that of the Hulk. And so begins the Battle of Harlem. Now, I've got one massive note about this final uh, fight scene, and I want to know if any of you guys spotted it, because it baffled me. <laughs> I've anyone... got a note actually about the last fight as well that I just want to bring up. Mm-hmm. There's a bit where you've seen like these endless Humvees shooting at the Hulk and he's still standing. And Tim Roth, when he's going up against him for the first time, jumps up on this bit of metal and shoots at him with a tiny pistol. Yeah. I'm like, I don't understand. Like, every... <laughs> I don't get it. You just watch people fire rockets and yeah. the Hulk. That was one of the notes trucks. I wrote. What's the pistol all about? I don't get it. Anyway, sorry, George. Yeah, go on, That's George. You carry on, mate. Did anyone notice Michael K. Williams in the final battle? Is that Omar from The Wire? That is Omar from The Wire. I did, I did. What the hell is he doing in that film? I thought maybe he comes back in the MCU as some sort of superhero or something or a villain. I just <laughs> it looks maybe like the beginning a... of an origin story. <laughs> yeah, it's true. that's what I thought. That's what I was hoping for. It confused the life not... out of me. He is one of the most talented character actors oh, I love working guy, today. Man. He's in this film for half a second as he runs out onto the street and watches Hulk and Abomination fight. I looked to see if he was in the credits. He's credited as Harlem Bystander, coming to wow. a cinema near you. Um, <laughs> wow. It makes me wonder if it was some sort of weird cameo or whether... Mm. He, I mean, but is he, fa- is he that famous enough for a cameo? I don't really know. Or whether he got screwed over a little bit. Maybe he had more to do in the original Maybe. cut. Because I had to check... The Wire was made between 2002 and 2008. So The Wire had already finished by the time this film was done. And he's essentially one of the leads in that show. So it feels weird that he would be in this for half a second. Yeah, that is odd. 
that, that's why I thought to myself, oh, there's something there. They're just yeah. dropping him in. Michael Caine starring in Harlem Bystander. <laughs> Next time, baby. Next time, baby. <laughs> uh, so, what did we think of that final fight scene? I, th- you, I, I don't think you can really tell it's Harlem unless someone says because it's all pitch black. Yeah. It's, uh, um, yeah. I don't know. It's frustrating. There's, there's a lot going on as well. Like, you've got that after the Blonsky turning into the monster, you've got Sam Stern's head turning into a giant ball sack and him <laughs> having his uh, next time, baby, moment, <laughs> looking yeah. at the camera. Um, I, again, it's sort of what Rob said a couple minutes ago is it baffled me that they were still firing bullets at these things. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, it was like, and it's come the on, third we, battle in the yeah, film. Yeah, it's the third battle. We've now sent in this new, bigger version of the yeah. Hulk. Oh, no, 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 no. They then so- send the Hulk back in, don't they? Like, mm. from the from the chopper. Yeah. And then the chopper proceeds to keep firing at the thing <laughs> the entire time, even though we already know save, bullets don't do anything. Money. Yeah. Because we've, al- we've also got one of the... Um, the most sort of cringeworthy lines in the movie was that random soldier firing an RPG at the guy and saying booyah right afterwards, <laughs> which just made me like, you know, facepalm. Um, one thing I did like about the fight scene was I thought the choreography of the actual fight between the two monsters was quite cool, like the punching and the, you know, like the ground and pound elements and the elbows and They're all that. Two that was quite very a- different styles within Hulk and Abomination. Yeah. yeah. The um the choreography of that, and also you guys will hopefully be able to help me out with this. When those types of scenes are being made or produced in in the film world, is that two dudes with green suits on that then get turned into like things afterwards, like actually acting it out, or is that just all digital from the get go? It all depends. I think this film they didn't do any motion capture, so I don't think they had that guy. Like guys in suits, like okay, so it's just all yeah. Like someone... I think this one it all right. was all sort of just built off of oh, that's cool digital stuff. Mm-hmm. They use different techniques on different films, but yeah. I think for this one it was based off of maybe there was motion capture, but it wasn't on set. If they sure. did it, I know they tried to base it off of Ed Norton's face, but I don't think it fully works. Oh God, no. And no. um, so you know, on that, I think there's a reason why people tend to love superheroes and superhero films. And, you know, especially ones that are played by a human actor. So I know personally, I become more invested in it. If I can, I can see that some people are actually fighting. Sure. I find it very difficult to get into a fight scene between CGI characters because as cool Mm -hmm. as it sometimes may look, you know, in my head, at least I know, I'm watching two CGI figures designed on a computer punching each other. You know, I I tend to want, you know, stunt work, uh, much like the beginning fight scene in the warehouse in the favela. That was was some great stuff. That was stunt work, some really nice choreography. And obviously, I didn't really get a ton of that at the end. Speaking of uh, cringeworthy lines, Booyah is up there. (laughs) But (laughs) it's nothing like what you've just reminded me of. When the news crew interviewed the two students at Culver University, oh. and he says, "Oh, it was like a big green monster. It, it was almost like a Hulk." Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. no. Shut your face. <laughs> is there actually a definition of what a Hulk is? I might be being really dumb now, but is is Hulk actually a word? We might have to cut this out if it is, and I'm being an idiot. But Hulk just means like a big mass, doesn't it? Oh, it does. Yeah, it? like okay. a hulking. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think 
I think, yeah, like Georgia, I think it's just something. But I mean, if you saw a giant green monster, would the first word that comes to your head be, it's like a Hulk? <laughs> That's it a wouldn't big be. green monster, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a big giant green bastard going around <laughs> killing people. <laughs> I think it would be much cooler if like, no one knows how to describe it, but Hulk is the one that calls themselves Hulk because they've got a primitive use of language, just one yeah. word, Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> so after the battle throughout Harlem, the Hulk defeats the Abomination by nearly strangling him to death with a chain, but spares his life upon hearing Betty's plea and leaves the Abomination for Ross and his forces to arrest. After having a peaceful moment with Betty, he then flees New York. A month later, Banner is in uh, Bella Coola in the British Columbia. Instead of suppressing his transformation, he begins to transform but in a controlled manner with a slight smirk. And then later, Tony Stark approaches Ross at a local bar and informs him that a team is being put together. That wraps up our film. So, like I told you, Colin, before we started, before you actually watched the film, I said, don't watch it because don't watch a post credit scene. I don't want you to waste your time. Yeah, I mean, was that not, could that not have just been the post credit scene? It was meant to be. But a yeah. last minute change of heart. It's I can't quite find out whether it was Marvel or Universal. Okay. I keep reading that it was more likely Universal panicked mm. and wanted to put that at the end. But it, I mean, it's so tacked on. Mm. I, I I think it's maybe the worst post credit scene Marvel have ever done. Um, it's it gives you pretty much the exact same information that we got in the last post-credit scene. Hmm. So Marvel, they got Robert Downey Jr. to join the set for one day. Uh, they didn't quite know what their future plans was as of yet. So like I said, we just get a recap of the information from the last post-credit scene for Iron Man, and that a team is being created. It's a it's a shoulder shrug of an ending for me. Um, and, you know, maybe that's why they even put it at the end of the credits, because even they knew. Marvel did expand on it. Did you have you seen? So I don't know if Colin will know this. On the Blu-rays, they don't do it anymore, but they used to. There used to be a thing that when the films come out on the Blu-ray, there'd be a thing called the Marvel One Shot, and like I think One Shot's a term for just a, a one-off story in the comics. So, in relation to this, there was a one shot in which Coulson from Iron Man is talking to another agent about what they're going to do about the Abomination, because they want the Abomination to join this team. And the whole chat is Coulson basically saying, I know what we can do. I know someone that could wind up um, Ross enough that he's going to think it's a bad idea. And then cut to that end scene from Incredible Hulk. So they kind of, Marvel looked at it and went, let's make this at least have some meaning but it is only on a blu-ray like mm. it's not particularly i think you can watch it on youtube interesting even i didn't know that but a couple a couple of things was was, was the blonk is it blonksky yeah it is blonksky isn't it was his character ever in any of the comics or has he ever been explored before or is he is his character unique to um this film he was the abomination in the comics yeah oh, okay he right was so. a russian descent and um Going back to like one of the original uh, things I said at the beginning was saying that this felt quite like a sequel and it felt like there was a lot of unanswered questions and a lot missing for like someone who's watching this for the as the first sort of uh, <clears throat> incarnation of the Incredible Hulk. 
Do you think they did that because the other one came out in 2003? Was that one more of a, did that have more of a backstory and was it more of the before and maybe they just thought, well, most people, if they're into the Hulk, they would have watched that. So yeah. and, um, Ang Lee's The Hulk was very much an origin story. It was, right, yeah. And Marvel, even though they were making a Marvel movie and not a Universal movie, it was sort of planned for a little bit in very early pre-production stages to maybe make it as a sequel. Mm. But obviously they've just recast all the roles. Uh, what they ended up doing was just filming the origin again to make it a complete origin story to fill in the gaps for people like yourself, mm. only for them to then say, no, let's cut it and then put it in the yeah. opening. Yeah. I think they could have had the original cast and it it would have worked as kind of like a re a reboot sort of thing, like just giving it new coming at it from a different angle, but the, yeah. it would have functioned as a sequel. All they would have had to do is just put different cast in with the same script. And it, mm-hmm. I don't think it would have been. I do issue, wonder but... if they reached out to Eric Banner. I couldn't find anything whilst kind of researching this, but it was interesting to see whether they even approached him or not. Hmm. They mentioned that Jennifer Connelly is a difficult person to recast because she was so good as Betty Ross, right. which was kind of like, Shade up, yeah. Tyler, but she looks nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pretty hell. What What did you guys think to the um the General Ross character? Because I I just sort of every time he was on the screen, it was just like, yeah, this is just a one dimensional, generic, hard headed military guy. Yeah, well, yet just... again, I you know I like my characters to have sort of those dimensions and the hang on, are they right villains? Uh, so you know, I would have loved a bit more conflict of trying to do what's right for Betty mm. and maybe seeing that maybe Banner's good for her and maybe she's good for Banner and that conflict of him trying to hunt this hog. But uh, yeah, he was very much secondary to Emil Blonsky and was almost, he, General Ross is almost a plot point in this in order to help get us our main villain. Instead of mm, being yeah. a real character, really, I guess. It's yeah, it's difficult because there's clearly all that subplot of him telling Bruce to, you know, to leave Betty alone and all this kind of you know trying to you you know he wants to use the Hulk and stuff. There's a lot of interesting stuff in sort of in the background, but they never did anything with it. And like I say, I think Sam Elliott um, in the 2003 one was so good as Ross, that it just felt, I, I, I never sort of bought mm. William Hurt. He looked like someone doing cosplay as General Ross, whereas you look at Sam Elliott and you're like, that that's the dude. Yeah, he definitely doesn't strike you as someone that's been in the army for years. No. Yeah, I got that. Uh, so Colin, are there any characters in this that you'd be interested in seeing returning? Because obviously we've got a lot of films, or do mm. we just sweep this under the rug and pretend it never happened? Well, I mean, Omar from The Wire, I would have liked to have seen him come back. <laughs> I can't even remember what his name is. I feel really bad. What is his name, dude? I feel bad. Just Michael K. Omar Williams. Okay, yeah. I would have loved to have seen him come back, but that's been shot down already, so I'm already annoyed about that one. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm all for any more MMA cameos popping up. I'm pretty sure George St. Pierre turns up in one of the films, doesn't oh, he? I don't know what film. I just Maybe. I just know. It might see GSP. Uh, yeah, <laughs> nice. Maybe. Um but in terms of actual characters um, being more real, um, 
Not really. Okay. If I'm totally honest with you, mate. I mean, obviously, <laughs> I, I do. I do know the Hulk comes back. Yeah. That's not <clears throat> going to be breaking news to me at all. But but to, to be perfectly honest with you, and I'm sorry to say this, Rob, I'm just not that big a fan of the Hulk as a no, character. That's, that's fine. I um I I just and and it seems to be a word that I wrote down many times throughout this film is just one dimensional, and it just felt like that's all this film was it was a bit of a mess it was one dimensional mm. and it really hasn't inspired me to care or look any more into the character of the hulk at all if i'm totally yeah, honest with yeah. you well then pressures on marvel to try and change your mind yeah yeah definitely which is interesting so rob yeah. i think colin's pretty much give us given us his final thoughts on the film uh what about yourself i don't really like it i would put it pretty low down yeah. in my in my sort of list Mm-hmm. But I think when all this started, and uh, you know, it, you sort of—I'm judging it based on all these other films that followed. When I watched it at the time, it was a yeah, you know, a bit of popcorn fluff. I, I, I didn't feel like I'd wasted my evening like I do sometimes at the cinema. Like it was an enjoyable bit of fluff for the most part. But mm. I, I, everything you guys have said as well, I completely agree with. It is a mess. Yeah. So at the time of recording, there are 23 films in the MCU. Um, By the end of this year, I think we've got 27. I've always said that, to me, there are three below-par films in the MCU. This is one of three. So that's a pretty, you know, for three out of 23 is not bad going whatsoever. No. Yeah, it doesn't work for me, this film, unfortunately. So, much like we said in... Iron Man, we are creating an account, uh, a Colin Brain versus the MCU account, on an app called Letterboxd, where we are each going to give our rankings out of five, which we are not allowed to go back on once we uh, (laughs) give our final result. (laughs) And we are then going to um, rank the films alongside each other as well. So then by the time we get to the end of this podcast, we will have our own Collins, mine and Rob's individual rankings on the MCU. And we can compare and contrast. We won't do this for every single film because it will get complicated. But since this is only episode two, Colin, was this better than Iron Man? No. Rob, was this better than Iron Man? No. Colin, what would you rate this out of five? One and a half. <laughs> Rob. I would give it two. It's a two for me as well. Interesting. <laughs> right, it? It's a proper number two. I was thinking two, but you know, I, I feel like I've given Iron Man three, and Iron Man was at least one and a half stars better than what I just watched. I so like I the feel maths. like I, yeah. I have to do it that way. Because <laughs> I'm not changing any of my scores, George. But I'm half, not going back yeah. on my words. So one and a half. No, I won't be budging on two, that's for sure. Um, mm. So let's What have we do... got next? Sorry? Oh, wait. Okay, sorry. We'll do trivia. But I don't know what the next film is in the in the thing, man. Oh. We need the reveal as well. Oh, right? The, the so reveal is trivia, coming. Then. The reveal let's do is trivia. coming. You know too much for your own good. Now, that's what I call using the old head. One of my, I think maybe my favourite bit of this podcast, mainly because I'm winning. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> our trivia competition. 
So yet again, surely you've gone back to listen to Iron Man by now. You would know that we are doing a trivia competition where myself and Rob both have to propose a piece of trivia to Colin and he will award a point to the best piece of trivia. So by the end of this podcast again, we will have a trivia champion. Who went first last week? Um, I did. Rob did, yeah, yeah. Does that mean I go first this week? Yes, mate. It's on It's on yeah, you this time. Colin. Okie dokie. So like we said, in the film that was kind of meant to be in the post-credits or maybe wasn't post-credits, it's the final scene of the film. General Ross is seen drinking at a bar. Did you notice the colour of that drink, Colin? Mm, I would say it was a whiskey colour. It was bright green. Was it really? Oh, so, <laughs> to make that drink, it is equal parts of Hennessy Cognac and equal parts of hypnotic liquor which if you were to order that at a bar you would order an incredible hulk you look so happy with I, 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 like <laughs> that. I like that one i just uh, thought he was drinking an apple teeny <laughs> no, it's an incredible hulk rob over to you go on rob okay, you can, you've got you can there. you can bring this back to evens man it's only one up so you enjoyed the brazil chase didn't you colin i did you had, you had a fondness for the Brazil scene. Mm. So, I learned from the audio commentary facts. During the chase scene, Tim Roth was so full of beans that he flipped a table whilst chasing Ed Norton. That table caused a real bottle to hit a woman in the face. <laughs> Apparently, she was too starstruck by seeing Tim Roth in the flesh to mind and let them off. Well, that's what the director's saying, at least. Mm. There might have been a lawsuit that <laughs> yeah. said otherwise. But. <laughs> I like that. Um, so you've got fun time at a bar, <laughs> violence against women. <laughs> you can't put it like that, man. Um, so you've got Brazil, which you loved. Yeah, I did. I, yeah. <laughs> or General um, Ross, which you hated. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> For that reason, I think we're going to have to go with uh, with Rob on this one. So it's one apiece. Okay. Getting interesting now. Yeah. Some positives got to come out of someone listening to the audio commentary. <laughs> <laughs> are you doing so? When you listen to this audio commentary, are you watching the movie and then watching it again with the commentary on? I've seen the film so many times now. That, that you don't I, need to just watch it. You just go straight I, in with the commentary. I just had the audio commentary on. Oh, cool. Right. And uh, i got to admit, you know, we were all saying how slow the film felt it was going. Mm. I had about an hour left of free time, and I watched, like, the last hour in, like, times 10 speed just to remind <laughs> myself of what happens in each scene. And I was like, right, I know Brilliant. what I'm doing. I know what I'm saying. Wow. We're fine. Oh, okay. Brilliant. Uh, another great episode there, guys. Um that was a good laugh. So, Colin, yeah, mate. our next film, like you mentioned, we are heading straight back to Tony Stark oh, and Co. Man too, isn't it? I thought it- as rewatch from 2010, Iron Man 2. Rob, say goodbye. Goodbye. Colin, say goodbye. Goodbye. Take it easy, everyone. And again, thanks for joining us. Stay safe, stay well, stay nerdy. See ya. Next time we meet, let it be in peace and friendship. This is as far as you're going to get tonight. Such valuable stuff. All in a nice work. Sweet dreams, little friends. Look out! Oh, oh, he's escaping! 
have not seen the last of him.